Aloha. TheBallerLifestyle.com. It's the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. My name is Brian Beckner. Thank you for joining the show. Episode 394 of the program. Thank you very much for being a listener, for joining us every week. We love that you do. Hey, thank you if you're one of our new listeners that found us via our promotion currently running on the Overcast app in the comedy section. Trust me, guys, it's not too sportsy over here. You'll you'll see. Just listen to an episode and you'll know that it's it's the perfect confluence of sports and pop culture and dong chat and all the stuff that you love hearing in a podcast. Uh, if you are not already, you should subscribe to our bonus content. That's where you get the entire show the night before everyone else. You get it without commercials and you get a bunch of bonus content tagged on at the end that isn't on the regular show. For instance, this week, you're going to hear about a a cult leader who was found mummified wrapped in Christmas lights. That's not on the regular show. That's part of the bonus content. You're going to hear about a beef between show favorite and... Rock star astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson and musical star, I don't know, ingenue. I, know, I think I, I use that word all the time and I'm always using it wrong. Uh, Demi Lovato, who I'm a fan of, even with her short hair. They're in a beef. You're only going to hear about that if you subscribe to our Red Circle content. Additionally, there's more, there's more beef between Dwayne Johnson and Vin Diesel. And you know whose side we're on there. We're fucking 100% with The Rock unless unless Vin Diesel's cutting another track or being the best director of all time. You're only going to get that. You're only going to hear us talk about that if you are listening to our the full show with the bonus content. And you're only going to get that if you subscribe to our bonus content. $5 a month on our Red Circle page, which is accessible via the app in the show notes via the app that you are listening to the show on right now or you can go to theballerlifestyle.com and click the link at the top of the page there's a lot going on uh, I am joined now as always by Mr. Ed Daly Ed how are you? doing well I think if you were kind of explaining we're not, we don't get too sportsy we almost never talk about actual games we like we might say if there was like a crazy moment in sports, yeah. maybe we'll bring it up. But we talk about like stuff around sports. Yeah, I mean, we would talk about a game if like Morgana, the kissing bandit was still on the scene. And she she dropped in with her with her ample bosom and her dolphin shorts. And and that was, her, that was so weird. What what was that? That was a be, weird era. Never be allowed today. For our younger listeners, there used to be this woman called Morgana. And again, what's that name even? Morgana. And look, in retrospect, Morgana, and this not that this matters, 
but she was no great beauty. This wasn't like Pamela Anderson being discovered at a Toronto Argos game. The key for her was that you could see her coming from a mile away. She had giant breasts. I mean, really, I would say. Did she wear a bra? Like, that was the whole thing. She just would, like run and and like it was so weird no there was there's not a bra made that could handle what morgana was putting out there i would i would argue weird she would run on interrupt sporting events and like kiss the pitcher in the middle of a game you'd be like what yeah what is going on here she'd run out there on the field and everybody would have a big laugh about it and then she'd she'd plant one on nolan ryan on the mound and and then she'd like fake get arrested was it like were we being sold a bill of goods? Because look, a couple couple hippies ran on the field to congratulate uh, Hank Aaron for hitting his 715th home run, and they, I'm pretty sure they took them under the bleachers at County Stadium and tuned them up afterwards. I don't, I don't well, think Morgana I mean, was I, getting that. No, he, certainly not. But like Hank Aaron was getting death threats as he was chasing Babe Ruth, and then two. Two guys come up and like like pat him look, on the back. He doesn't look, know what's going on. Look, it wasn't the best example. One some one time, some hippie ran on the field in a in a Baltimore Colts game, I think, and some linebacker just fucking plugged him into the dirt. Yes, yeah, that's pretty good. What I'm saying is, it's a different rule for uh for an older woman with giant breasts. Morgana has to be a hundred years old by now because she was old in the eighties. Like, and hey, hey, no disrespect to Morgana. She was doing her thing, but now I got to know more about her. Look, this is a this is a detour. This is the kind of thing we do sometimes. I've just googled Morgana. Oh, 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 Morgana. She was she was in her fifties, like when we were kids, right? She had to be. Yeah, she. I would say, in well, Ed. I mean, it's it's worth. We should just take a guess. Why not? Ed Morgana Roberts, aka the Kissing Bandit. How old? Assuming she's still with us, and the vid didn't get her, like Coach Probst potentially. What? How old would you say Morgana, the Kissing Bandit, is today? How old is this fucking guy? I'm gonna say 35 years ago she was 50. I'll be generous and say she wasn't like late 50s. So I'm gonna say she's. 85 years old. So 35 years ago. Okay. You don't have to do, I think you might be right on the money because she's born Morgana Roberts. Turns out she has a last name. Born July 4th, 1947. What? Now, so she was in, she was like early 40s when we were seeing No, her. is that true? Oh yeah, because 47. How old would that make her? That'd make her like in her 70s now. She's like yeah. se- 75. 74. What, 47, you said? Yeah. yeah. People love when we do this and they love when we fucking up. <laughs> screaming, screaming math. They love it. They love it. They love it. Everybody, everybody will fuck it up and we do it like every other time. We're about f- batting 500 on getting the actual ages of people just doing the math on the show. 
And somebody will tweet me the next day or send me an email and be like, uh, dude, he was actually um, 29 when you said he was 59. I'm like, fuck, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I, it was just a weird time. And uh, so it, in 1977, she was 30. So in 1987, she would have been 40. She would have been younger than us when we saw her smooching. So I was off by 10, by 11 years. Yeah, was, at least. I was, yeah. Was 85. Yeah. Um, but just, I don't know. It, it, it was supposed to be entertaining, but it was just confusing. And it wasn't like. It's weird. It, Mor- Morgana Roberts is an entertainer. There should be quotes around that, by yeah, the way. Heavy quotes on that one. Who became, became known as Morgana or Morgana, comma, the kissing bandit. That's how I knew her. In That's baseball and other sports. Oh, she fucking uh, catted around. I thought she was such a baseball fan. She wanted to kiss all the players. And also, let's hey, let's not pretend that these fucking players weren't getting their dicks kissed in the fucking hotel bar later that night. Like these guys, these guys are man whores. What these guys are? These guys are. Uh, they got dirty dicks all over the sport. Uh, Morgana famously rushed the field on many occasions and kissed major league baseball players, including Nolan Ryan. Pete Rose, uh, that had to be hard for her because Pete's so goddamn ugly. Johnny Bench, who I feel like probably wasn't into that. George Brett, twice. I feel like George Brett was into it. Steve Garvey, of course, was into it. Len Barker. Oh, and Ed's favorite, Cal Rifkin Jr. Yeah, I, I imagine Steve Garvey was yeah. was all about it. Oh, yeah, he, he liked to... He liked to inseminate. Uh, she has been described as baseball's unofficial mess, got and the grand dom of baseball. Who's called her that? She made that up. She put that in her own thing. She also crashed NBA games where Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was one of her most notable victims. I like that phrasing. Um, that's it. I don't, you know, there's more. Oh, yeah, she was a stripper. Morgana came across, yeah, f- stripper. Well, Cigarette girl. Oh, lied about being 18. Anyway, just look up Morgana and just imagine that happening in the world now. It just, we just wouldn't. Oh, she retired at the end of 1999. That was anybody that heard that. That was me dropping my mechanical pencil, which happens once an episode. Uh, Morgana retired at the end of 1999. That's way too recent, Ed. So, so she was 52 when she retired. I mean, she looked 52 in 1980. Yes. You're asking my opinion. Yeah. Uh, she no longer grants interviews. Wow. Who's asking for a Morgana interview? Let's get her on the Morgana, show. Morgana, could you please tell us about uh, what you thought uh, the, the the umpire's call in the third <laughs> inning? I need, to, I need to know if this was a work because also she always had a good seat. Now, back then, a good seat to a baseball game was like $8. Now, not so much, but it's, she always had a good seat. She was like the Miami Marlins man of her time. Yeah. Um, She made one exception to her granting interviews on the, on the 50th and for the 50th anniversary of what? Maybe of her first smooch by giving a phone interview with USA Today, stating that there would be no comeback tour. I, I think I speak for all of America when I say thank you for that, Morgana. No, I don't think anybody's asking for it. Nobody was calling for the encore. Uh, Yeah. I grabbed another. I grabbed another salted nut roll. Oh, shit. uh, 
Oh, I don't have one. I don't have one handy to me. I forgot. They're fantastic though. I, 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 I'll be honest. I don't know if I have any salted nut rolls left because my kids have gotten, well, my one kid, the one's oh. allergic to nuts, so she can't have it. Which I, have one you thank, I have to thank uh, our good friend Lee. He sent a, uh, a batch of regulars. So I'm flush with salted nut rolls. Well, where, where the fuck's but, mine? He just sends them to you? Oh. I, what? <laughs> sorry, Lee. What? <laughs> I don't know. You get like half shipments. You have things sent to your office. It's true. Yeah, because I'm not home. You know, a lot of times you don't know if things got to be signed for or what. I got to have them sent to work. Also, I don't know. I don't want people knowing where I live. Which, yeah, that's, you know, I'm running. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm rolling the dice. I'm just uh, thinking you might make it outside my building. And then from yeah. that point, you're not going to be able to get to me. Right. That's um, true. But, but I grabbed the churros one. Oh, you, the you said you're not a cinnamon i i don't know how i'm gonna feel about this one but i'm gonna Try give it a go it's my my son stands the pumpkin spice which i don't think i would like mm, no not oh that's me. not a good sound no it's it's i mean it's sure i guess if you're into churros it's like a little bit of a spicy cinnamon situation mm, that mm. doesn't sound too bad yeah, I'm gonna. No. I, I I mean, it's one of those things that uh, a, there's a million varieties of yeah. of M and M's, and and sometimes sure I are. you know I'm, I just like the regular. Yeah. Oh, I love a regular M M&M. and M. I like to mix, like, have a couple peanut M and M's, and then like, then like reset my palate with just a regular M M&M, and M, and then go back to the peanut M and M. Which I mean, but there's, there are like there's a million there's. there's there's hot chocolate. There's like a million different oh, types really? of M and M's. Oh, and same with like Oreos and stuff. Like I'm oh, fuck Oreos, I, fuck Oreos. I I just like original uh, salted nut rolls. I'm gonna oh, keep yeah. going. Oh, the I'm spicy try, was so good, Ed. No, the spicy is the is the salted nut roll of record. It's the number one. I haven't gotten to that one yet, but I would say uh, I still prefer. I might even put the churro below the pumpkin spice one, and I. Listen, I'm I'm just I'm kind of just I like the original salted nut roll. Okay, well I got some I got some of those apple pie ones downstairs and I don't I don't I feel like I won't like those, but it's worth it's worth a shot. That this the original salted nut roll and the spicy are both fantastic and not as far as I know available in my area. I've never seen these at my local CVS. I've never seen salted nut roll out in the wild. No. Never seen it. No, yeah, no. It's, it's like, like my it's, home. Yeah, right. It's like Morgana. Like you would only see Morgana if you live in her, the general vicinity of wherever in Ohio it is that she lives. And Ohio, pretty big state, you know, could be anywhere. If anybody has an in with Morgana, we would like to interview her here on the show. Uh, speaking of that, coming up, there's two things I need to talk about before we get into anything you have to say, Ed. Uh, show note. We have coming up later in the episode an interview with Jason Shaviko, the executive producer and director of the new Netflix. It's kind of like um, it's like the it's like the real life Friday Night Lights, but instead of the coach being Kyle Chandler, picture the coach being like everything like completely the opposite of Kyle Chandler. He, he kind of looks like John Voigt. 
a little bit. Kind of does. I, I feel like they vote the same as well. Yeah. But it's John a, Voight it's, today, though. He looks like John Voight today. Yeah, he looks like John Voight today. He looks, he looks, okay, never mind. Um, but it's a pretty good show, and we were stoked to have Jason Shaviko on to talk about it. And I, wh- one thing I, I neglected to mention um, when he was on that I wish I would have said is the look of the show, the production of the show is fantastic. He incorporates <laughs> like a bunch of drone shots and like really like high end like footage into the show it's just shot really well and i, I and i uh, failed to bring that up when we were interviewing him um yeah, but look cool for that later in the show then we have an update last week ed this is this is this is how you know we're living in a simulation last week ed our friend friend of the show manuel and gardena this guy never mind uh, manuel yeah. and gardenia called in and he went on a long semi-lucid rant about the, the, the city of Carson, California having a smell. And I was like, well, I've driven through Carson. We talked about how I went to the slick track there one time. And I'm like, there is that refinery there. So after the show, another friend of mine reached out to me and he's like, actually he was able to decipher what Manuel was talking about, which was, I mean, it was just like gibberish to me. Apparently, Manuel is not was not saying that that the city of Carson always has a smell. It currently has an odor. There's something has happened in the city of Carson in the like the last week that has made it so that there's a horrendous odor wow. throughout the city. And so this person, this friend of mine, texts me and goes, "Yeah, actually, Carson fucking stinks, and no one knows what it is. It's actually it's a mystery. Oh, it's I a thought big he mystery." Was just- disparaging Carson residents as as was I and then about a two days after that my girlfriend texts me my phone's connected to the bluetooth my girlfriend texts me and she's driving to work and she goes hey she goes I don't know if something's and she calls me she FaceTime she goes I don't know if something's wrong with my car she goes, but there is, it like smells like methane in here. And I don't know if I should like drive to a dealership or something, but there's something majorly wrong. And I go, Ed, I go, you're not anywhere near the city of Carson, are you? And she goes, well, I don't know where that is. And then I go, well, where are you? And she told me the, you know, where she was. And I'm like, you mm-hmm. have just, you, you're in Torrance. I go, you just drove through Carson. That is wow. the smell. You smell Carson. Now, Ed, had I not been made aware, this is how we know we live in a simulation. Had I not been made aware just a few days earlier by caller to the show, Manuel Ingardinia, of the smell currently permeating the streets of Carson, California, I may have thought she had a problem with her vehicle. I may have thought we were under some type of chemical attack, but no, I knew. Further, I had my kid Google it and they believe it's due to vegetation. They think that like one of the LA river channels in Carson, there's no water in it anymore because there's no, because water doesn't exist anymore. And all the vegetation is rot- is now open to the hot sun and is rotting there. And the rottenness of the vegetation is what is smelling up the city of Carson. So 
I'm bringing it full, full, full circle just to let you guys know that this show really can have a healing effect. It can inform you in a way that is able to help your life. I thought I, I would never have known about the smell of the city of Carson had it not been brought into our world, world by front of the show, Manuel in Gardenia. What do you think about that, Ed? It's it's a small world made even smaller by Manuel's local chat. It really is. It um, really is. He likes to talk about things in the in the South Bay area. So I remember reading when I was uh, doing some research for my history book in the heroes and jerks available now on Amazon. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. It might might make a good Christmas present for absolutely. You just get two books. That's right, and. There was a great stink in London, and yes. but this was but the problem with this was this was people just dumping all their their like you know you, they were traveling by horse yeah, and shit. everything and and then the the river they were dumping things in the river everything Disgusting. smelled and so they had this the great stink and they were dipping like Parliament oh. um, drapes they're dipping it in vinegar just so it would like kill better. the smell. Like if you want to inhale vinegar, that's that's how bad it was. Um, wow. Yeah. So that's back when they I would like know, put they, they would swab something on their upper lip because everybody yeah, stunk it, so bad. Anytime I see historical dramas, like when you're looking at like, yeah, uh, oh, here's, same. you know, Abe Lincoln or something like that. Yeah. I always think, man, they must must have smelled terrible. There was no oral or, back then. Right. Like no one no one was going down on each other back in that day. And there were definitely was none of what Paul's into because it just people were too gross. Right. It, it's a, it was a smelly time to be missionary alive. only back then through a sheet <laughs> on those in your on those coat. Yeah, in your peacoat, in those, in the beds made out of corn husks that old oh. Honest Abe slept in. Yeah. Honest Abe also had a very dear friend, didn't he, Ed? That he would yeah, he kept often the company. Yeah, yeah, he would. For he would often share a bed For with warm. a buddy. Yeah, just, just a couple of guys <laughs> having fun. Um, yeah, but uh, it, it's it's uh, it's tough. I, I hope Carson really finds a fix. But if it's just that rotting vegetation that's going to be a tough fix to clean the smell of their town no i gotta i gotta agree with you there um you have anything to add on top of morgana no pun intended and carson before we jump into um, the sports segment of the show yeah if if you're worried about the supply chain oh there's yeah. always a book you can order on amazon the christmas book ed daily it's that, there. And that's not coming from overseas right like that's it's not in one of these ships that's off off the coast that i can oh, no. see from my living room. No. No, oh, that's I'm, fantastic. I'm, I'm Mr. USA. I it's printed yeah. right here in USA, unless you live over overseas and it's printed there. I'm Even I'm supporting better. all I'm supporting all local governments. Oh, you're a regular um who's the guy that invented the printing press? Dusenberg. Oh. No. Dusenberg. Eli Whitney. No, it's a cotton gin. That's the cotton gin. Keep going. I got I think I was pretty close with Dusenberg. It's something German like that, right? Yes. It just think think more in terms of police academy and you'll get it. Oh, Mahoney. Gutenberg. The Gutenberg <laughs> Press. Gutenberg. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, let's um, talk some sports.
My name is Brian. They call me the other guy. I host a podcast show. I'll give hetero life a try. If you see something on my hand that makes you think I'm not a man, it's just my crew rings, you see. They're as sparkly as can be. I might old Troy on DVD. Ed, what is going on in the world of sports? What do we need to know? Um, 76ers, uh, members of the 76ers suspected that Ben Simmons faked COVID exposure in last season's playoffs from a masseuse to get out of playing game seven against the Hawks. Shut up. I mean, I mean, yeah, it, it was astonishing. I, I don't remember which game it was when he had a chance to just go up for a dunk or a lay in and he passed out of the lane like yeah. an open, like maybe he would have gotten fouled, but he didn't want to go to the line. He, yeah. he, something just broke with him in the postseason. He shot the ball like less than 10 times in a seven game series. Something crazy. I mean, doesn't in his career, doesn't he have like three, three point attempts or something? It might, I think it might be less than that. Yeah. I don't, it's, it's crazy. He, and then he's mad at them. I mean, he really, he, he stunk for them in the playoffs. Yeah. And he did. he's trying to force his way out, but like, there's not really value with a guy who's afraid. A point guard is afraid to shoot. Everybody, even, even Giannis shoots threes. Like everybody's got to be able to shoot threes. There's no, you're not in the league unless you can make a three pointer, at least occasionally. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a weird thing. Yes. He is a good like playmaker on the fast break and he's a good defender, but I don't know how you can what what value do you get from a point guard who they were they were in the playoffs they were just sagging off him because what's the point he's he's afraid to shoot it's kind it's of so. like those remember um, who was the guy on the well there was Mackie Sasser of course who couldn't throw it back oh, to the pitcher Chuck Knobloch Chuck Knobloch yeah. I was at one of the games where Knobloch sent one into like the 11th row. It was pretty, people were cheering. My guy Saxy has had the reputation for that because early in his career, he went through a brief stint where he airmailed it into the stands a bunch of times, but it was, he also had another reputation though. Oh yeah. He's supposedly. Yeah. He's, it might've been, he was, he was throwing the ball away because he his he couldn't his keep balance. Bat. Yeah, yeah. Something something was throwing him off balance. Uh he's got okay, hold on. Three point is three PA is that three point field goal attempts per game. Ben Simmons point one, point one, point one, point two. He's he's got point one three point attempts. Oh no, he's attempted. I don't know how to read this shit. He's attempted like one three pointer in his whole career. He doesn't like it was like a thing. I don't. I think he did hit his first one like last year. Unbelievable. Yeah, but get yeah, rid of him. He's and he's got you know he's got a kind of a shitty attitude. Yeah, and it's like it's buddy, kind of prick. You're you're calling the shots. You you're afraid to shoot. Uh, yeah. Also, um, he's a he's a a point guard and he shoots 
below 60% for his career from the free throw line. And he averages fewer than five free throws per game. I like that everybody that is listening knows this already. And I'm like your girlfriend that you're teaching about sports. And I'm just learning all this stuff because I don't care. <laughs> but it, it, it's just weird because I, I watched playoff games last year. I, I don't watch a random yeah. 76ers game. So I watched like yeah. probably four of his games. And he clearly was afraid to get fouled because he's a, a shitty free throw shooter. Yeah. And he was afraid to shoot threes. It was the weirdest yeah. thing seeing the guy out there. And then like, he's such a high paid player, like a max paid player. Yeah. And they don't even have him on the court in the last five minutes of a That's close crazy. game. Yeah. It's, it's, what's the point of it? Yeah. Right. Doc Rivers hates his guts. Um, well, we've got a sad story about a welfare queen. Now, welfare queen is named Brett Favre. Brett Favre <laughs> owes the state of Mississippi $828,000 for illegally spent welfare funds. This guy has proven time and time and time again. He's a huge piece of shit. And Ed, like for reference, $828,000 is like the entire education budget for the state of Mississippi. Like that is not a small sum of money in one of the poorest states in the union. And and Brett Favre has had plenty of money. He's still like getting paid for well, I don't know why, but he's still in like Wrangler ads and then yeah. he's got a whole bunch of other like rando ads, but he's he's garbage. He's a terrible dude and he's ripping off his state. And uh yeah, he owes 828,000. Yeah, he's a um, he's a real piece of shit. And but he could really he could really sling it back in the day. I mean, the guy threw hard. Right. But like, you know, towards the he did have that like renaissance year with the Vikings. But yeah. overall, he'd be like, even when he threw lots of interceptions, they'd be like, well, he's a gunslinger. Gunslinger. Like you weren't allowed. You weren't mm-hmm. allowed to like criticize him for throwing awful picks. Yeah. Every no, once in a while. I agree. Um, But he's not the only piece of shit in the sports world who's mm. ripping off the state of Mississippi. Oh, interesting. Ted DiBiase's Heart of David Ministries, a religious what? and wrestling nonprofit organization, also built the state of Mississippi out of $2.1 million. DiBiase's son, Brett DiBiase, what? was hired as deputy administrator wow. of the state's Department of Human Services a couple months before the money started flowing into dad's wrestling Nonprofit organization? What? what? What is happening? And also, what qualified? Wrestling. And also, there's no one called Brett DiBiase. You don't have a Ted DiBiase and also a Brett DiBiase. And also, <laughs> how's DiBiase even a name? With this DiBiase, like, did he just submit yeah. his resume? He's the and million be like, dollar Ted man because his son is yeah. stealing it. He's, he's the two point one million dollar man. I told well, you I watched. It's I, a, instead of Virgil, it's his son. I, Brett. <laughs> I um, I watched that Ted DiBiase or most of it, um, mini series, not mini series documentary. I believe one of his sons made the min, the documentary, but it wasn't Brett. I think there might be a Mike DiBiase, but this Ted DiBiase, you know, he was he was running around on his wife out there on the road, drinking and fucking like all these wrestlers do. And then, but then he found the Lord. And that's when, obviously when I turned the documentary off, cause I, there's nothing worse than somebody finding the Lord in my opinion. But apparently he's 
he's uh, he's still ministering down there in Mississippi since the he's the the finding of the Lord took. Um, yeah. Anytime somebody's getting real preachy about yeah. you know how they've turned it to faith, like, come on, we're yeah. we're tr- trusting. And I also. I still really never watched wrestling, and somehow I knew Virgil and Ted DiBiase. I don't know why. I really never watched it. Oh, you never even watched I, it when you were a kid? Not really, but I guess oh. I was like at friends' houses, and it, yeah. I was just always kind of aware of like the main six guys. I'm, Ultimate yeah. Warrior. Yeah, he was. I mean, Ted DiBiase was one of those guys. He would pay people to do like disgusting things, and then he was. You couldn't do it today. Then he would like crumple the money up and throw it at him, or just like I think he would like not even give it to him. Like his whole his gimmick was that he was a rich asshole. He was like kind of like a Trump of his oh, time, what a, but like cool. What a what a stretch that DiBiase played a rich asshole. Yeah, and yeah. Now, now he's sitting well, on two point one million dollars that belongs to the. I got to be honest, like he was kind of endearing in the movie before he found the Lord. But I think because his son made the movie, he got a good edit. So maybe he's not, you know, maybe he's not as good of a guy. You know, sp- speaking of guys that really were uh, chasing women, uh, the stories this weekend when when they announced that, uh, I guess it was Sunday, that uh, Ed Orgeron was getting the boot. Because really, <sighs> aside from Joe Burrow... Aside from Joe Burrow, he hasn't proven to be a real good head coach. Oh, he doesn't but, speak English. You no, have to be and able the to speak minute, English to coach. The minute he was fired, there was a ready-made story, like like immediately, of how he won the national championship and then lost his mind chasing women. Yeah, he was trying to. I somebody sent me something. I I, he, I have was, it right. I have something up here. He pulled up to a woman at a gas station wearing exercise attire. And he also like there are pictures of him in bed with women like he he got divorced. He got divorced. And like, I cannot believe there's two people on earth that have signed up to have sex with Coach O. And uh, he pulls up to this woman at a gas station and goes, hey, you look like you want. I can't do his uh, impression. But hey, you look like you work out, he said, according to multiple sources. We could work out together. The woman informed Orgeron she was married and pregnant. And that's the other thing. His name is Orgeron. He just can't pronounce his own name. Right. Oh, Orgeron. Yeah. Um, that's pretty good. But she she informed him she was married and pregnant, to which he responded, why does that matter? It doesn't. The woman was, well, the, woman was the wife of a high-ranking LSU official. Word of this reached the LSU Board of Supervisors, the collection, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. He was hitting on everyone, including a pregnant wife of somebody that really controlled his fate. And well, now so- hold on. Hold on a second. I don't like we we talked earlier and you'll hear it coming up in a minute. About um, high school football in Valdosta, Georgia. If you're if you're the coach at LSU. You're basically the most powerful man in the state of Louisiana. Right. You have a you ton of talent though. And if you're going to have mediocre seasons, yeah, you're, yeah, you can't have, you can't have two mediocre, mediocre seasons in a row. From, from the penthouse to the outhouse. But this man had just won the national title. Is he not entitled to break off a piece of a trustee's wife? Like a trustee doesn't have to surrender her for a well, night? Like in. Are you saying like how uh, Rick Patino did with his assistants? Yes, or exactly. Yes. Wife? I'm going to need to sample that. 
I'm, I'm, I'm the gonna, coach. I'm going to take you to an Italian restaurant and have sex with you right. at the Italian restaurant. Nobody eats till the coach eats. You know what I'm saying? Like then that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, he's disgusting. But, but just knowing that like to have the fully fleshed out story appear within a minute of his firing, you know, this was just, everything was lined up. Oh yeah. They're, they're waiting. This guy I loses wouldn't... another game. We're out. Yeah, I wonder how uh, friend of the show LSU Lala feels about that. I mean, he's got LSU right in his fucking Twitter handle. Imagine yeah. he can't be happy about what Coach O was doing there's in his so, name. There's so much talent there. Like, just get a guy who can coach. He was I mediocre agree. without Burrow. Oh, for sure. Great recruiter. It's because he because he comes with the he's a bag man. That's why he's such <laughs> he's a good recruiter. Man. He shows That's up right. to your living room with the bag full of cash. Here's another fraud. Leaked emails show Adam Schefter ran an unpublished story by former Washington GM Bruce Allen and called him Mr. Editor in the email, like letting a GM edit what he wants before Schefter. Like, just there's no journalistic integrity with with Adam Schefter. But now Schefter. He's just a lapdog, all these guys. Yeah. I mean, isn't his thing, besides being 5'5", isn't his thing like scoops? So it's like, yeah, he's all quid plugged pro in, quo, but yeah. he's letting them right. Yeah. But that's not real journalism. No, of course not. Like people treat him like he's a reporter. He's, he's like a little league lapdog. Yeah. yeah. He's just, they, they, but feed it, was, it was a bad look when he, out there. he said, is a bad look when he says you are Mr. Editor or something like you don't, you don't tell the subject of your story that they're the editor. That's not good. No, that is, that's, that's um, kind of bitch. That's Adam. You're sound a little bit bitch. Did you ever watch that real sports? You know, he married a nine 11 widow. Yes. And he, which he yeah, like moved listen. into the guy. It was some like wall street dude or, you know, whatever financial dude that bought yeah, it yeah, yeah. in the, in the towers. If you believe that even really happened. And he, Oh no! What? And he and he moved. Don't 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 court that crowd. What do you mean? And he moved into her house. Like it's a weird. I mean, I'm happy for them. I'm happy that they're in love. Look, I want people to find love, and certainly people that are devastated by the towers going down. But but just not with Adam Schefter. He sucks. Yeah, yeah, he sucks. Okay, what else? And uh, a sports RIP, RIP former Major League catcher and A's broadcaster Ray Fossey. He was 74 and was most famous, unfortunately, for getting run over in the All-Star game by Pete Rose. Pete Rose. Awful, dude. Should he be kicked out of baseball? I mean, if Pete Rose is kicked out of baseball, how are all those Astros guys still allowed in it? That's crazy. He didn't fucking cheat. He just bet. But Pete Rose, he's a real piece of shit. He's he's got forty two hundred and fifty six hits or something. All singles. It's all the fucking guy. Right. Did. Oh, another single for Pete Rose. Great. Pete Pete Rose is a poor man's Ichiro. Yeah, he was, and he was he was nowhere near the player that the real hit king Ichiro was. And this Pete Rose, he would run out his walks. All star game. Yes, he would run out his walks all-star and in an all star game. He, over and he, yes, he badly injured him. Yeah, I mean, he gave him CTE. Like this, I'm surprised this Ray Fossey was able to broadcast anymore because his, he got his brain scrambled yeah. by Pete Rose in a fucking All Star game. Like, All-Star, yeah, apparently you go to the he was All-Star the local game to get A's late. guy. Yeah, 
He's he was a local uh, um, guy for like 35 years. What team did he play for? I was going to say Expos, but that's a National League team. I think I think he was the catcher for the A's um when they, he he won a couple of World Series with them in in the 70s, but I think when he got plowed over, he might have been a Philly or some something. No, because Maybe, no, no, they said Philadelphia. No, is Phil- Philadelphia Athletics? Maybe. Oh fuck! If when I he know. got plowed over, maybe that's you might because be the right A's were that. in Philly at one point. But yeah, he was he was an A. They said he was the catcher for like seventy three and seventy four World Series teams. Yeah, fuck Pete Rose. Uh, okay, Ed, let's jump. Let's uh, have a talk. This is a fun um, little. Sojourn that we took with new friend of the show, and I would encourage you to watch his show on Netflix. It's called Tinseltown, Tinseltown, Titletown High, Tinseltown, Titletown yeah. Bry over here, uh, <laughs> Titletown High. It is, it is really well made, and I know a lot of our listeners are super tuned in to the world of high school football Friday Night Lights. Um, I would encourage you to watch his show. Give it up for new friend of the show, Jason Shavico. As promised, we are joined by Jason Shavico, the executive producer, director, and brains behind the new Netflix docuseries, Titletown High. Jason, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey. Love, hey, appreciate you you coming on. Um, I I got to watch in the show last night. Actually, let, let's play the trailer to just to c- kind of warm up the audience because this is a, a sports show, and we're big in the kind of communities that are really really invested in high school football. So I I watch a little bit of your show, and th- this is just so foreign to me, being from Southern California. Every time I drive by a high school football field. I'm stunned that they're, that it's still being played. I just didn't know that it would. And I realized it's, a, it's much more popular in other parts of the country, but I didn't realize it, it got to this level. So let, let's play the trailer and then we'll talk about it. Football okay. to this community is as close as you could get to a religion. I mean, you've always wanted to be a Wildcat. It's like culture here, really. Everybody knows everybody. It does tend to lead to a lot of drama. You were 16 at one point, right? Right? Right, guys? Mm. Fun. Uh, they fighting my demons, but they ain't fighting fair. But I keep saying that everything is all right, I swear. Jay Garcia has a special talent. There's not a ball he can't throw. Whoever can master that offense is who's going to play. I am going to fight for the job. It's time to go compete. No. I know that you have goals for yourself, and girls can be a distraction. These coaches are on it all the time. I'm going to find out who's tough and who ain't. Trust me. I got big plans, but none of them feel like mine. And I'm juggling the relationship with Lindley. Then I got stuff going on with Zoe. Mm. Everything's just drama, 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 Big problems. Right now, I'm hiding Morgan from my mom. Where's Amari? You cannot be my quarterback and continue down this path. We got to start winning some ball games, and if we do, we'll have a shot at the state championship. We're having trouble with the coach. This son of a gun can coach some football, but you're making a deal with the devil. Mm. Stadium, this is our team. This could be the turning point of our season. I'd better see you fight your ass off. Everybody understand? Yes, sir. Loud. Everybody understand? Yes, sir. Big plans, but none of them feel like mine. I feel like a lot of our listeners are probably 
more aware of your show um, than I was, Jason, just because they're just because they're sort of immersed in this world. What drew sure. you to this story? How did you find out about it? And what made you want to tell it? What made you know there was a story there to tell? So I produced the show. One of the first shows, or actually the first show I ever produced and directed was a series called Two Days. It was on MTV back about 15 years ago. Uh, and it was about a high school football team in Hoover, Alabama. And the coach of this series was a coach of that school 15 years ago. And when we did that show, it just took off. It was back in the day when Laguna Beach and the Hills were on TV. And by our third episode of Two Days, we beat Laguna Beach in the ratings and became MTV's number one series. And the show really took off. And I think it took off because high school is so relatable. Whether you played high school football, you were a cheerleader, you were in the band, you hated football, whatever it was, you had strong memories about your high school days. And I think it was so relatable and finding kids that are just everyday kids that everybody across the country can kind of relate to, I think was a recipe for success back then. So I stayed in contact with Coach Propes. And when he went to Valdosta, Valdosta is the winningest high school football program in the country. They have the third most wins on any level in, in football. And that's NFL, college, or pro. The only teams they're behind is the Michigan Wolverines and the Irish at Notre Dame. Then it's Valdosta Insane. High School. So you take that, that program had been on a decline. So they hadn't been winning. They weren't winning championships the last 10 years. And they were like, you know what? This town wants to win. So we're going to do whatever it takes. And we're going to bring in a guy like Rush Proats because he wins everywhere he goes. So when you put those things together, it's just, again, a, a recipe for success. Uh, yeah, totally. T talk a little bit about R uh, Rush Probst because he's the he's the uh, main character, I guess, of the show. And it seems to me from I only watched the first two episodes so far, but I'm invested. And I did like and I don't want to forget this. I did like that you mentioned the uh, Laguna Beach, the hills aspect of it, because it does have that vibe. It's kind of got the Friday Night Lights thing, but you also get a little I don't want to say soap opera, but you get inside the the lives of these kids off the field, which is interesting. But talk about uh, Coach Probst. Um, what what's his story? I know you said he was he was a coach at Hoover High in Alabama, but it, I think I, I saw in this show that he had just had an acrimonious uh, departure from another school in Georgia. What happened there? I'm not deep enough into the show to have found out yet. Sure. So he's a just he's a phenomenal football coach. Let me start by saying that you win and one football. If you win want to win football games, excuse me, that's that's a coach that you want. He's an unapologetic win at all costs kind of guy. And, and that's just him. Uh, he's an old school style coach. He's an in your face, very high pressure, a huge sense of urgency. You've probably already seen that in the episodes that you watch. And he demands a lot and he runs his program like a college. So you're playing at a high school level, but you have a college schedule. You're practicing before school. You're practicing after school. The, man, the demands that he has on these kids is enormous. And so obviously that helps us story wise, right? Because these kids have so much pressure sure. from the coaches, from the community, from their girlfriends, friends of wanting to spend more time with them. And they're stuck in this world of, of trying to compete at such a high level. And so Rush is that guy, look, he's, he's going to win and he's won it everywhere he's gone. So any, any level, anywhere he's gone, the guys, the guys won state championships. And so at his last school, what happened was he was winning. I think they won a national championship. They had two undefeated seasons. 
and I think it was a, a player's parent who was not starting for whatever reason, uh, yeah. filed some complaints about coach saying he was giving them medicine uh, during the season. And obviously that's, that's a big no-mo. And obviously Rush wasn't the one handing out the medicine, but his staff was giving kids some type of medicine or shots or something like that during um, during the game when when they felt like the players needed it, and that was the end of that. Wow! Holy yep. shit! Yeah. Is he? Yeah. But does he bounce around? I mean that that's a specific situation. But has he bounced around a lot, like Larry Brown in college basketball over the years and pro basketball, where he just can only be at some place for a few years at a time? I didn't follow where he went between Hoover and the previous high school to Valdosta. Not really. He was at Hoover for 10, 12 12 years. He was at Colquitt for 10 or 12 years. And then he went to Valdosta. He was only there for a year because then everything exploded. But he's really only been to three places, and those are three huge programs. And, you know, he's coached at them for 25-plus years combined to all three schools. Yeah, and he's he's a winner, you know? Like, give him a shot, whatever. Like it's yeah. it's about football. It's about winning games. It's what don't these people realize? Um, what? How about tell us about Jake Garcia? Um, sure. Yeah. This is this is this is an insane situation. I'll set it up. Is because of COVID here in Southern California. I think he's actually an Orange County kid. Um, he was he was an early enrollee at USC, but he couldn't play football his senior year because there was no high school football in most of Southern California, if not the whole state. So he 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 moved him and his dad moved to Georgia and his parents got separated so he could go play his senior year <laughs> of high school football at Valdosta. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Jake, um, in the first episode, you, you see him, like you said, and he's he's a phenomenal quarterback, even better kid, to be honest with you. But uh, his situation was uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but what Jake and his parents were hearing behind the scenes from all these colleges, not only USC, was, look, if you want to play college ball and be ready to play, you better go find a place to play. And so they were not scaring them on purpose, but they were letting all these parents know, why do you think there was over a thousand transfers from states where their kids couldn't play? It wasn't just Jake Garcia. You had over a thousand kids transfer across this country when their states wouldn't play football. And that's because you're talking about their career to some extent, right? I mean, these seniors, some of them didn't have scholarships at the time. And the only way was to be able to play. So I think you throw that into the mix and, People don't understand that, and it just seems crazy. Hey, a, a family would do this so their kid could play, but yeah, I mean, Jake's Jake's wanted to play college football, and he has a dream to play in the NFL, and this was part of his process. And his parents were willing to do whatever it took for him to play, and and so they they got separated. He moved to Georgia, played at Georgia, and ultimately, as you guys know now, he ended up decommitting from USC and ended up signing with yeah. University of Miami, where um, he's already played one game, but unfortunately got hurt this year. Oh really? Yeah, because he's he's a freshman, so he was playing, but now he's he's, he's rehabbing an injury. And, yeah, yeah. With King down, I think he would have been the guy. But in the game he played, he ran for like a forty-eight yard run, got tackled at the two-yard line. The guy that tackled him pulled on his heel, not on purpose, nothing um, sure vicious or anything, but pulled some li- ligaments away and, and uh, hurt his ankle a little bit, and so he. Um, he had to get surgery for that, and he should be back here in a few weeks. And I know Miami and their fans are really excited about him. 
Oh, I'm definitely going to be paying attention, Ed. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I'm a huge college football fan, so I, I try to watch as much as I possibly can for sure. a day and, and still maintain my marriage. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I know your your relationship with uh, Coach carried from from 15 years ago at Hoover to uh, Valdosta, but, you know, it. So you you have some relationship with him, but I, without giving everything away, you know it's not that it's not that everything is a rosy picture painted. And ha- how is that? How is how does that um, play out with your relationship with him versus you telling a story of of what's going on? I I think the way that I've always produced has just been very transparent. I, I tell you know our characters and our talent. Um, what the stories are going to be about. And look, we're following their lives. And so if something happens in their lives, it's going to be part of our story. And so you have to be comfortable and confident with who you are and what your life is about and the things that happen in order to do a show like this. When when we did Rush at Hoover and for the MTV series, after that, we went on to do, you know, 10 or 12 other schools on college levels. We did Florida State University, Notre Dame University, Kentucky, Navy, a bunch of others. And so I think in order for you to say, hey, let me put me and my staff and these kids out there, you got to be a a confident person and kind of know who you are and be okay with that. And that's the good and the bad. And that's what I've always promised these coaches and teams when I go there. I said, look, it's not going to be a fluff piece. We're not an investigative journalism. We're not trying to, you know, uncover different stories and and try and pin you to something. That's not what we're about either. But we are going to tell the story as accurately as possible over the course of the season. And I think he would tell you today he thinks we've done a fair job. Are there things he wishes he did different? Sure. But I think if you ask for the how he was portrayed, I think he would tell you he was portrayed pretty accurately. Yeah, that's that's kind of the vibe I get from it for sure. Uh, back back to Jake Garcia. Let's talk about the old man. He's, he's kind <laughs> of an asshole, right? Like he's, he seems, he's, yeah, he seems like he seems like a football dad. Now I, was, I, I admit I'm not. I'm only two episodes through the show, but I just I, he skeeves me out a little bit in his in his uh, dreams for his kid. I I think after episode four, you'll probably see a different side of him. Um, okay, I, I think he's somebody that's a little skittish. Um, look, I, I've been around sports, and you you guys have too, I'm sure to an extent, but. I've seen the recruiting process and I've seen what these coaches are willing to do and say to these kids and to these parents to, to hype them up, to scare them, to threaten, to do all these things. And so I think as a parent, you're in this position to where you don't, you almost don't know what to believe. And you're so scared that your kid could do one thing wrong and ruin his whole career at that point. Cause he's in the spotlight. He goes out and does one thing, says one thing. The nowadays, you know how it is. You, everything's gone. Everything you work sure. for is gone. And so, I think for me, I understand a little more because I, I have five kids. I have two kids that are senior. I have one that plays baseball very competitively and is the in the recruiting process as a senior this year. So, I think I I kind of see it from different angles. And I, I think Randy ultimately is a really good guy. And I think Jake has a, has a great family. I think he was just a little scared about was he doing the right thing? You know, he did separate from his wife. He did move 3000 miles across the country. He did move from Southern California to nowhere, Georgia. You know what I mean? To do all these things. So I think after episode four, you'll probably get a different feel for him. Okay. And just to follow up, I know that, I know that this 
separation, I'm doing air quotes right now. This separation was just to, to meet eligibility or, uh, you know, seemingly just to make meet eligibility requirements. So Jay could play football in Georgia, but I did sense a little tension in that marriage. Is this, are things okay? Are things okay between the Garcias and, and, and hey, no shade, no shade on Mrs. Garcia. I, I, it looked like uh, Mr. Garcia had outkicked his coverage a little bit there. Are they, oh, uh, have they worked things out? Coverage. I agree with you. I agree yeah. with you. He definitely outkicked his coverage, but no, they're all good. <laughs> they live in Miami now uh, where Jake's going to school. And so they're, they're together. They're happy. I actually went to the uh, Miami, Alabama game. Wasn't a good day for the university of Miami that day, but uh, I saw him just what, about a month ago at that game and all's well, all is good. Um, they, uh, you know, they, they did what they had to do. Yeah. I've, hey, I appreciate it. So with, so the football um, and following how the team does and the inner workings of the team, but then the whole other aspect where you're just in a uh, high school girl's bedroom and they're talking on the phone Whoa, with each other. Geez, Ed. Yeah. Whoa, you say no, that no, in I'm such saying, a like, way that makes it yeah, creepy. I know. You're like, I, trying to I get me on a watch list. <laughs> Yeah. But I'm saying, how? Do, what was the process of like which girls? Was it just? It wasn't exclusively girlfriends of guys on the team, right? I mean, there were just like so many random clicks that you were following. What was going on? Yeah, that well, is interesting. Kinda, how did you? How did you cast this? Sure. So we go when we do all these shows. Is we sit with the coaches. We say, give us five guys that you think would be good for us, have good personalities, can handle this. You know, are not going to screw up by by us following them around. And then we followed them around for two weeks. And then it's always the case. Out of those five, we probably kept two. And then we found three or four others on our own just from being around. You know how it is. You spend a day with somebody in a certain way. You spend two weeks straight with them and you start to kind of see who they are and what the stories are. So once we figured out kind of who the guys were on the team that we were going to follow, then we started following their girlfriends. And then their girlfriends have friends, right? And they kind of run in these cliques. But if you look at it, everything is kind of within one arm of some player. You know, the love triangle with Grayson, with Zoe and yeah. and uh, Lenly, you know, we followed their friends because what happens after, you know, them and Grayson hang out, do whatever, fight, you know, they go back to their friends and talk about it. And so it's always important to us to be as organic as we can. So being organic, you know, allows their friends to take a bigger part in the series as well. Um, it does seem like also... Uh settling on Valdosta or just, just, you know, have, having coach end up there, it did seem like it was a a sort of a perfect mix of these wealthy kids from one side of the tracks and the, and the, you know, middle-class, lower middle-class kids from the other side of the track. Did that kind of, was that a pleasant surprise that you you were able to have that dichotomy amongst the, amongst your cast? Yeah. I mean, as a producer, I wanted to tell that story without telling the story. If if that makes any sense, I just wanted it to evolve. And, and you saying you've noticed that is, is good for us because we didn't want to make it a point, but look, it's it's life and it's the reality. There's certain neighborhoods that are obviously more wealthier and do things a little different than, you know, the other side of town. And so that was definitely something that I noticed when I was there. And luckily, our storylines worked out in a way that I think it becomes evident without being, you know, without trying to hit the nail too hard on the head is, is just letting the viewer see it for themselves. Totally. I get that. Um, 
you said you follow, <laughs> you, you said you follow, um, you did shows about the, about different college football programs, which is interesting to me. I'm sort of a casual that fan. The, that was the Showtime series. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. The, I show ran in direct I, that I, Showtime, the Showtime a season with series. Yeah. I watched, I watched those Notre Dame and Navy. Was yep. it one more? Notre Dame, Navy, Florida State. Those were the three big ones. Yes. It's yeah, yeah. Ed Ed sure. is as everyone that listens to the show knows is a is a proud Maryland Terp and he keeps trying to tell me that Maryland is in the Big Ten now. Is that is there any way can we confirm that? Do you know if that's true, Jason? That that they left the ACC about what six seven years ago. It's been a while now, hasn't it? <laughs> I think this might be the eighth season. Impossible. Yeah, to believe. Season. I, I I attended the the Harvard of the West, Long Beach State, which we played our last football game in 1990. So no, no. Uh, I, I, I actually report, heard it referred to as the same, actually. That's right. Yeah, that's well, that's what it's called. So it's, that doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, Ed, what else you got for our guests? Uh, I'm just any shows like this. It's always mind blowing to me because there's such, um, you know, I watched Friday night lights and you realize like there really is a guy like buddy, the fundraiser, except in this case, uh, his name's Nub, right? It's crazy. Nub Nelson. And Oh, Nub Nelson. Yeah. How crazy was he, man? I mean, he, he single handedly and a little pun intended there, you know, brought down rush and the entire (laughs) program. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. It's and, it's and, it, it's like the program, the movie, the program. Yeah, but it's yeah. at a high school level. I just had no idea. I just had no idea it, it was so big. Yeah, I played uh, it, football in high school, and there would be like, you know, usually maybe one parent would go, and like a few kids, but nobody really cared. And it's crazy. Well, this is yeah. this they, is big business. They sell oh. tickets. It's, it's they, sold it, out. Look, Ed, you you said it exactly right. And this is a huge important thing to say: is high school football has become a business. Make no mistake about it. When you start firing coaches after going ten and three because you didn't beat your rivals and you're not getting the sponsorship and you're not That's getting insane. the attention, it is a business now, and it is starting to compete with college football with some of the games and the ratings that they get you know, some of the lower tier games and look, it's, it's only going to get bigger and bigger. I, um, I, w- I have to admit, I sort of coveted those, um, Valdosta sweatshirts that I saw a couple of the kids wearing in their interviews. And I, I came very close to going out, online. <laughs> I came very close to going online and purchasing them. I, I like the colors. I like, like, I feel like I've become a fan. I've been indoctrinated into the world of Valdosta football via Jason's show, Title Town High. It's, it's, it's worked on me, dude. I love it. That's awesome. I, 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 I think I can hook you up with a sweatshirt for sure. Oh, uh, that, that'd be awesome. Um, w- b- before we close, just some of the little details. How are the burgers at Relish? Oh my gosh, really good! But <laughs> the burgers at Relish—it's kind of like the Beach Pit. What, what was it on nine hundred two and zero? You guys ever watch that Peach Pit? The Peach, Peach Pit. Pit. Yeah, Peach actually, Pit. Uh, actually, Jason Ed Daly is one of the world's for, foremost experts on nine hundred two and zero. So if there's anything <laughs> you need to be filled in on, he can help you with that. Yeah, I could tell you. Oh. Nat was the cook. And right. Willie was the fry cook. Nat, Nat was a 60-year-old dude that hung out with a bunch of high school kids, which yeah, I thought was, was kind of weird. One of, one of the gang. 
one of the and gang. Then, and then yeah. he turned his his co- pie coffee shop into a nightclub at some point. That's Peach right. After That's dark. Right. <laughs> yes. <dear. laughs> well, it looks pretty good. Uh, Jason, I really appreciate you coming on, buddy. I'm I'm way into the show. I know the listeners of my show are going to be into the show because they live in this world, and it's it is really the perfect mix of the the sports aspect the the life or death of what it means to try to get on the field and play college football, but also being a high school kid in a small town and what, what that's like. So uh, I'm hooked. I'm I'm definitely going to watch the the whole uh, season and I'm excited to see you do more. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of the show. So I was excited to jump on. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you for that, Jason. Appreciate having you on the show. Again, check out his show, Titletown High, airing now on Netflix. It's fantastic. Ed, let's do some e- emails. I think we determined last week that it's email. He's so easy yeah, to hate. Your time he likes to waste. His calls are from from great. We don't have any voicemail this week, so we'll just jump in. Uh, Ballers. Oh, this is great. I was so excited to hear that my idea for a show segment really took off. I had been thinking of people to send you, and the star of summer school was who I came up with, but you beat me to it. I also had an idea for a song, although I would have no idea how to produce it. It was to the tune of show favorite 311's tune down. Now, Ed, I don't think you're, you've made clear that you're not familiar with 311. Does this, does this ring a bell to you? But I know this. I know yeah. that that song down, that's the. Yeah, this one. Okay. Right. We got it. I mean, you uh, can't. You wish you could see. I wish you could see the video, which is much no, much worse. It's let me. Probably. It's probably let, for the best. I don't. Let me decipher the um, lyrics of that verse right there for you. This Chill. I think was like maybe yeah. like my senior year in college, something like yeah. that. Like it was. I, it's, it was not a good time to be in the freshman in the, year, uh, sophomore, sophomore world. Nineteen ninety-five. Chill. Light on my sight as my ego becomes a funky child with some words on my tongue. Be like intake of breath and my mouth gets loose while I, oh, disgusting. While I scatter my spit, I dream of juice. That's enough. Can I taste your juice? Have you ever made out in dark hallways, displayed a kiss that made your day or say? Play a track from your record collection. It's your mix. Congratulations. (laughs) This is fantastic. So for people are like, what are you talking about, Brian? This, this guy sent an email a week ago with a new segment for the show. And I think it's fantastic. He, we do how fucking old is this guy here? He's got a new segment for us. How fucking rich is this guy? And he says, so he said here, I would have no idea how to produce it. It was to the tune of show favorite 311's tune down, which we just played. Alas, the ragtime swing will have to do. I did, however, decide to use 311's lead 
Oh, and this is the best. In quotes, singer Nick Hexum for this week's edition. I'm, I think this might make you cry. I'm pretty sure I remember this fucking guy has his own island. Ed, he's talking about the new song we made for our new segment, How Fucking Rich Is This Guy? How fucking rich is this guy? I can't figure it out. I guess I'll try. Is he worth a billion or maybe just a million? How fucking rich is this guy? Ed, you're not, I understand you're not familiar with uh, 311, as you made clear. I could read some more lyrics, but to just Please wager, Please wager a guess. How rich do you think 311 singer Nick Hexum is? Well, it's always known that the music business really rips you off if you only have one hit. That's true. He has zero hits. Uh, well, that's not true. He has that Amber one, too. But Down, the one I just played. You want me to play his other hit? Uh, no, please don't. But oh. but that that song, Down, I was very aware of it. Like, it was it was on in the bars when I would go out in college. Yeah, it's so awful. It, it's but awful. I'm saying, like, it was a hit. Whether or not it was my cup of tea, no. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I, but then maybe a tour a little bit. I'd say he's worth 130 grand. <laughs> uh, I well I just saw cuz I have a buddy that trolls me with 311 information and on Ed's birthday, March 11th, he will send me videos and tidbits about 311 all day long. And so I happen to know from a couple of years ago that um, Nick Hexham was selling a baller house in the San Fernando Valley area of LA, like Studio City or Encino or something. And it was on a big fucking piece of land that you don't get out here. And I think he was selling it for like four or five million dollars. Like, whoa. This dude's cashed up. He's got a fucking Ferrari in the, or not a Ferrari, Porsche in the driveway. Like he did well. I would have guessed he was worth about $40 million, but it turns out Nick Hexum is an American musician, air quotes, and air quotes songwriter who has a net worth of $25 million, Ed. Born April 12th, 1970 in Madison, Wisconsin. You know, they're from, you know where they're from, right? To the 311? They're from Omaha. They're, I thought you said Nebraska. Madison, Wisconsin. That's where he was born, but they're from Omaha. Nick Hexum is best known as the vocalist and guitarist for the multi-platinum alternative rock band 311. Went to Westside High School in Omaha, Nebraska, where he played in the school's concert jazz band, as well as several local bands. That comes from our... New friend of the show, Adam, who's given us the how fucking rich is this guy segment. Fantastic. Ed, let's talk some sports or not sports. Oh, there we go. Well, it's time. It's time for now sports. Now sports segment. Segment. On the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. Now sports. Now sports. Now sports. Now sports. Now sports. I'm talking about the segment now. Now sports. 
What a talent Eli Braden is. You know, he's great. He's fine. Now that's a musician. Yeah. Uh, RIP. He died today. Uh, Colin Powell from COVID amid a cancer of plasma cells, which uh, I was reading about pretty much just guts your uh, ability to fight anything. So, Oh, yeah. That'll fucking do you up. You don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like he he had during a pandemic, you don't want to have your immune system gutted. That's that's going to be a tough one. Um, yeah. He uh, he you know people he got famous during the first Gulf War and yep. America's um, general and him then and he, Normie Schwarzkopf yeah Storm and Norman and then he became uh, most famous for being the adult in the room in right. the uh, George W Bush administration and uh, he was he stood ironically so stood in front of a uh, famous Picasso anti-war painting. I don't know how to pronounce it. Guernica to speak to the UN. Oh yeah. And uh, he was advocating for the Iraq war in which he would later call, he he used faulty intelligence and uh, he would later call that a blot on his record. It's a blot on his record. And, and the 300,000 dead Iraqi civilians are a fucking just an afterthought. You know, it's it was more about his own. Yeah, there, I mean, there's more legacy to that because that le- that led to ISIS. You know, right? Yeah, that Iraq War helped bring about ISIS. So, yeah, I mean, besides that, good job, Colin. Yeah, wasn't a super fan. He was kind of like the 311 of um, statesmen for me. He was like the 311 of generals, right. along with Petraeus. And I, I. I am genuinely saddened by this one. R.I.P. Robert Bobby Hemleck, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Hoboken Jesus. Yeah. Ed, this guy. I'm, he I'm so, yeah. He, he, there was a real story. I mean, everybody referred to him as Hoboken Jesus. And yeah. then I read the obit and he, they're like, yeah, he, he's known for his resemblance to Jesus. Yeah. I sent you the link. Me a picture. He did. He did look and like And he looks like know- Jesus. Do we know how old a man he was? He spent, no, but they said he spent more than four de- decades um, out, outdoors. Um, he was, I, I, I think he went to Hoboken High School with with uh, some people that I've like. People always had a story about him, but like he, you know, he was clearly mentally ill yeah, and schizophrenic. Uh, he, he lived, he lived near my. Stoop. He lived. I mean, he seriously, from where I'm sitting right now, he lived yeah. like 30 yards away, and I would and, see him uh, all the time. And yeah. last month, I gave him a Miller Lite Tall Boy and a pair of shoes. Yeah, I had I had some shoes that were like not holes in them, but they were used sneakers. And I was yeah. like, I looked at his feet one day, and I was like, I must have a pair. And yeah. he was a kind of a tall, skinny guy, so and I figured. I, I mean, I don't know his like shoe you. size, yeah. but I figured 13s will probably fit most people. And so yeah. I thought I'd give him some shoes. And unfortunately, uh, the four decades drinking tall boys on the streets finally took its okay. toll. I I will always remember Hoboken Jesus for that time. You, he poo-pooed your the natural light 
the natty ice you bought him. You yes. bought him a natty ice and you're like, here you yeah. go. And he's like, get the fuck just out of here. Just gave me a look and just, just dropped it. Nah. What do you think? Come I on. I have standards. Yes. But no, everybody, you know, kind of liked him and he, uh, he was, he was never without a beer. I mean, the so guy was seriously like, oh. drinking. I've, I've lived in Hoboken since 1998 and I saw him just about every day drinking beer. Wow. Impressive. Hey, that's, you know, there's worse ways to live. And fucking drinking beer all day, hanging out, listening to the voices in your head. R.I.P. Now, R.I.P. Bobby Hemlick. Hey, fam, there's still a lot more of this episode to hear, but it's only available to our bonus content subscribers. Click the link in the show notes or go to theballerlifestyle.com and subscribe so you never miss a minute of the show. With Easy Ed Daily and the man Jay Stew and Brian Beckner quick to dissect the week in sports and culture and whatever. Talking loud, comments, conundrums, my brothers Reviewing some movies and shows and the others Top podcast, man, no one is above us Five star, even the haters will love us And we're not trying to talk politics a lot We'd much rather talk about dicks a lot Shit's so hot, man, you know the shit's on top Top podcast, man, it really hits the spot Listen up, you players and shot callers TBLS, the lifestyle's baller And you know the show is so flawless TBLS